Hello, hello. Hey, up. What's up? What's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Priviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Ah, uh, we have such a fun episode for today with a one-of-a-kind and enthusiastic guest, entertainer Cameron Hughes joins the show. When it comes to looking for talent for the show, we are always searching for intriguing guests and especially individuals with very unique professions. And Cameron Hughes has a job like no other. He's a professional fan. Yes, he cheers professionally. Cameron Hughes is the world's most renowned sports and entertainment fan. His relentless optimism, infectious cheering, and unbridled dance moves have delighted and energized thousands of crowds worldwide. He began his career as a professional sports personality at an Ottawa Senators NHL hockey game in 1994. He was disappointed by the uninspired crowd, jumped out of his seat, and began dancing with no inhibitions. Fans took notice, and soon the arena was abuzz. Since that fateful night, he's performed at over 1,500 sporting events in 22 different sports leagues for over 18 million people live, transforming the in-game experience for fans and players alike. Outside of sports stadium, Cameron inspires others through public speaking engagements at leadership and sales events, conference kickoffs, and student workshops. His career as a professional fan has taken him around the world, and his story has been featured on numerous outlets, including ESPN. On today's episode, Cameron lays out what exactly a professional fan is, and he reminisces back on that day in Ottawa and, and what inspired him to get up and get moving. Cameron also discusses his own personal philosophy and why it's important to be excited and to celebrate and how cheering and being positive has augmented his life. And finally, I hit Cameron with some rapid fire questions to find out some of his most memorable sporting events and locations. This was so much fun. This was so much fun. Stop what you're doing. Check out the videos of his performances. He's an enthusiastic and maniacal dancer, but always has the best intentions in mind, which is inspiring others and exciting the crowds that he's around. He's been at many elite sporting events, and one energetic performance landed him on the court at the U.S. Open where he got to dance with Novak Djokovic. It's incredible. This was such a fun conversation. Cameron also chats about his book, King of Cheer, which are stories of him showing up, getting up, and never giving up. I was overjoyed the entire episode, and even now as I look back on our conversation, I'm smiling because of his pure zest and fanaticism for life, a trait in which he learned early on from his mother. Thrilled for everyone to meet him, so let's go ahead and bring on author and professional fan Cameron Hughes, and let's learn. That is a, What's up, man? Good to see that you. Is a tremendous, tremendous backdrop. I, I love it. I <laughs> could just stare really? at it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I swear it's real. <laughs> I've seen the videos. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked to chat with you. The world's first professional fan. <laughs> I mean, this is an incredible title, something I didn't even know was possible. Can you share the story of how this came to be? Because it's fascinating to me. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the sort of the big moment that kind of changed my life, sparked it all, um, living in my dad's basement, trying to figure out what to do in and out of university, kind of like, you know, Frank the Tank. And I, I had talent, but I didn't know what in what area. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, makes yeah. sense. That is Frank and the Tank, yeah. <laughs> my, buddy, my buddy takes me to a hockey game, the Ottawa Senators. I'm from Ottawa, Canada. They were a new team. They were really bad. No energy, no excitement. First period, no excitement. Second period, no excitement. And I'm actually boiling up. You know when you're like, you're at an event, you're like, why aren't people having fun? Like, let's get going. And I look at my friend, there's eight minutes to go, and I'm so stone sober, I swear on my life. Everyone thinks I was- That was going to be a question of mine. That was going to be a question. 
But it's it's unfortunate that that's the automatic in a way. I've never yeah. really th- talked about this. That that's the oh, you must have been drunk. Yeah. And I was not drunk the first time because I don't think I would have done it. But anyhow, eight minutes to go in the game, I'm absolutely furious. We're like, we're all here together. There's ten thousand people. It's like it snowed out. We made it here together. Why aren't we as a group collectively engaging in this moment, right? And so I look at my buddy. I'm like, I'm going to do something. And he's like, please, please don't. <laughs> And I got up on my seat and I started to dance with my back to the crowd, my yeah. face to the other half of the crowd, and to we are family, which yeah. you know you can look read into that. And they looked at me stunned, like, "What are you doing?" And I talk a lot about this that moment where you decide just to go for it and whatever yeah. it is, you got to own it. So I kept yeah. dancing, kept dancing on my seat, which is you know hazardous in itself. <laughs> Play resumes. I sit back down on my seat. My buddy's. It's like, what the heck did you just do? <laughs> and the whole crowd's buzzing now, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there going, how do I get out of here? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then there's this buzz and then, you know, the next whistle blows. And I tell people the reason, you know, we're talking, the reason I've had this career is not because you got up the first time and do something. It's what you do with it, right? Uh, yeah. And in the moment, I didn't know that. But maybe truly when I look back, maybe I did, right? Maybe I was like, I could sit back down and that was fun. And it'll be the guy who got up once and danced. He was funny. Whatever happened to him, right? (laughs) So I went to the aisle, the next whistle, 10,000 people get up and stare and they're like, come on, keep dancing, big red. I go to the aisle. I dance up and down the aisle, standing ovation. Team comes up to me and, you know, it's not a cliche, but the rest is kind of history, you know? You've got so much energy and it's, it's such a fantastic story. How did it progress from there? I know you said it's history, but how quickly were you going from just local Ottawa to then expanding out into to other cities, even countries? Yeah, well, I mean, that took a long time. Okay. <laughs> it took a lot of personal convincing. It took a lot of, um, I wouldn't say rejection because I didn't really totally put myself out there yet. I was slowly yeah. figuring out like, you know, can I make a living doing this? Right. Yeah, and yeah. when you, when like I made a joke earlier saying, you know, kind of figure out what my talent was, but yeah. it's like anyone who has a talent at uh, art or dance or music, it's like, okay, great. But now how do I get it out to people? Right. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, I, I was a VHS copy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I got dared to show, show up in Toronto, which is, you know, the media capital of Canada and they had a bigger hockey team, big, better exposure. My friends are like truly dared me. They're like, I dare you to go. You're not going to go. You're chicken. Yeah. You know, it's, and then it was like, it made me realize as much as, you know, what happened in Ottawa was great. I wanted to do more. I realized yeah. like, is the crowd going to be the same in Toronto as it was in Ottawa or in LA or in Minnesota? Right. And as an artist performer, you realize, they're, they're, you know, I've realized, you know, I'm getting to my punchline. They're all the same. What do they want? human connection, mm-hmm. spontaneous moments, and they want to feel something, right? And when I look back at 26 years of doing this, it's 27, but this year doesn't count. I, that's, what, that's what matters, right? Yeah. And, and people are like, well, how have you been doing this for so long? Because we still want and crave that. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned one of your phrases is cheering is contagious. And when you were traveling around to, to your first time in Toronto and you were trying to expand, would you show up just on your own, not even hired as a team, just to see if you can create a little buzz? Almost like this is a legitimately a grassroots organization going on. 
Yeah, that was always the first play because okay. I think what I learned and I think is really important for me and when I talk to a lot of people that are young and starting out is like, show them what you got. Don't, yeah. you know, can you imagine if I called them and said, hey, I'm crazy, I'm funny, I'm a good dancer. That was my question like, because there a lot yeah. of these places probably weren't even open to the idea of, wait, we're going to pay you to cheer? Like, why would we do that? So you just showed up and just said, hey, this is what I am. Yeah, and what was interesting was on that note, which is a great point, is that the teams would be like, hey, wait a minute. I was wearing my own because my whole thing is like taking T-shirts off. And yeah, I, yeah. I was doing it like, you know, kind of around before, around and before the T-shirt cannon existed. Teams didn't have the T-shirt <laughs> cannon until like really 96, 97. I, I've never used one. I don't need one. But no, no, no. Now we have T-shirt Gatling guns too. Got to love it. So. I know, right? We're going next level. But drones are going to be dropping them off soon. <laughs> But I think that, you know, your point is like you, you show up and, and you show them what you've got as opposed to like, it's like saying your buddy's so funny and you bring your buddy to the party and your buddy, uh, my, uh, you know, yeah, John yeah. wasn't that funny. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I started showing up in Toronto and then my whole career turned when I went to California and I showed up at an LA Lakers game, a Kings and a Ducks game. And uh, an executive there had been to all three games that he uh. saw me at. And he called me and he worked for Washington Sports and Entertainment um, back when they had the Bullets and the Capitals. And that's my biggest sort of aha moment that if you show up, you do great work, you provide value, the opportunities will come in ways you don't even know, right? Yeah. And that right there where you're just talking about, you've taken this not in just your, your career as being a fan. You've also taken this in the public speaking. And this is a general philosophy that you have of uh, let's, ha let's be excited to do what we do. Let's have fun. So how has the public speaking, how has that changed into a bigger thing more than just being a fan? Well, yeah, I think a lot of companies right now, well, for, for years have wanted something different and unique. You know, I, I have a speaking agent I, where I'm going with this, but the, the, I called her once and said, hey, like, when they call you, what do they want? You know, oh, well, we're hosting an event for a thousand salespeople. Let's, we want something different and unique. And I'm like, well, what are they hired? She goes, the same. <laughs> right? Yeah. So why aren't they bringing, you know, they're bringing the Olympic silver medalist who broke their knee two months before their, the game. And yeah. not, I'm not saying those people don't have a great story because they yeah. do. And they're inspiring. And what they've done is remarkable. My positioning is I'm going to energize your room like no one else can. But I'm going to do it in a way that's spontaneous. I don't get, I don't announce myself. I kind of interrupt the meetings. I come out and I like, like let's party. Hey, we're here to have fun. And yeah. that's my whole thing. Be that spark at the event when it's needed. And then my speaking is like, it's not really even speaking. It's just like, like sharing stories, getting the audience on stage, like literally diving into the crowd and saying, hey, let's come together. Let's connect and, and bring that energy together. How do you stay creative then? Because so much of your stuff is, is spontaneous, but at the same time, if you do the same thing every route and you just change out a t-shirt, you're not going to have a career for long. So you have evolved and have changed. So how do you, how do you stay creative? Uh, that's an interesting point because, you know, part of it is having bigger intros when I go to games. Like if I'm doing a big opening and I'm like, you know, I've done one where there's 60,000 people uh, at an event in Canada and they would come to, they would go to fans and then they come to me and I'd be like, you know, talking to my girl, pretend girlfriend. And then yeah. the next time they'd come to me and I'd be like acting like crazy. And then the next time they come to me, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in the video board. And I jump up like little nuances like that kind of make it more fun to think of like, Hey, how can we do something a little different in Vegas where I've performed a lot? I do. I've done intros with the blue man group, which, you know, people are like, what? <laughs> yeah. So 
you know, you want to give fans something different. At the same time, I always have to come back to what works, which mm -hmm. is not trying to be a character. I'm just a guy that got up and wanted to have some fun, right? With all that, you've even wrote a book. The book is The King of Cheer. First of all, do you enjoy the writing process? And was there anything that you learned about yourself through the process of writing? I'll go, I'll go to the second question first, that I learned that I can do it, even mm -hmm. though I don't yeah. consider myself a writer. And biggest lesson for everyone, yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, that's to me the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway is like, and I, I, I don't want to be the guy who's like, you know, you just had a new kid and I'm giving you all the advice. Well, here's what you should do. I'm not going to be that guy. But people have asked me and said, well, how did you do it? And I'm like, well, I committed, mm -hmm. you know? I am not an expert writer by any means. I obviously I had people like copy editors and, and proofreaders and I had creative people help me get it going, but it was always, always, always from me. And that's what mattered. I got some great advice three years ago and this guy said, I never met him, but he was like sort of a gray haired 75 year old, 80 year old guy just retiring from being in the business. And he called himself that, not me. And he said, if you want to write your book, write your bleeping book. And I was like, Oh, yeah. And that's all I needed to hear because all of us that we do creative things, we're not, we're not just going to, for the most part, we're going to get other people to help us make them pop, make them stand out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to design a book. I don't know how to edit a book, but I know how to put ideas together and I know how to share my heart and passion with people. You do, but there's one thing you said in there and it also reminds me of just your whole life story is the commitment and doing something, really being committed to something. Can you talk more about that, about the importance of staying committed to an idea? Because everybody's got an idea. And I'm sure there's other people you've met who've been like, well, I could be a professional fan, but you're committed to it. <laughs> yeah. And I could write a book, but write your book. So can you talk more about just the importance of commitment and, and has that always been who you are or did that evolve with time? I've always been someone with a vision. Like I've literally seen myself in on, you know, in stadiums. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to perform at this event one day. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I have. And I think that's really helped me when I've needed sort of the belief muscle when you've had, when you go through the ups and downs and you're tired or you're taking three flights to get home and you're yeah. exhausted. I've had that belief muscle. Like this is what I'm meant to do. In terms of the commitment, I mean, I've always wanted to do it and I've had, I mean, I could write a book on the stop starts of me writing a book. You know, I, I tried to pitch this big idea to New York publishers and, and they all said, I love the energy, but it, they didn't feel it. Yeah. It was the wrong idea. So the other part of the process of I, that I learned is like by starting it, you'll get to the gold. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I didn't have a name till the last month. <laughs> uh, and I just sat with it for a while. And then once I truly, here's the point. I was waffling on it for a while, like a lot of people do with big ideas. I went for uh, a three-day hike in Joshua Tree, and oh. by the end of it, I was like, I'm committed. I'm in. I, I, every, at every expense, because I self-published it, I'm in. Yeah. And um, it was the greatest feeling in the world to know that I'm completely all in on this. I didn't know how, much like my career, when I decided to go all in on my career, but that's part of my story is you figure it out. And, um, you know, we all want it so fast and we all want it like, like here, but when you, when you actually commit to it, you realize you've got to enjoy the process too. And I did enjoy a lot of the process, um, for a guy with significant, you know, focus and <laughs> problems, it was difficult, but the day I got it, the day I pressed send on, launching the book, I, 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 you know, I don't share this with many people, not because I'm hiding it, but I was alone 
and uh, 7.26 Pacific time. And I'm like bawling my eyes out, dude. Like, like I get emotional sharing that with you. Yeah. And if you can see that in your life in some capacity with something that's you've held back on creating, mm-hmm. I think your commitment level goes higher. <laughs> There's something about Joshua Tree. You're not the first guest on the show to have been drastically inspired by Joshua Tree. There's some type of rebirth there. But you mentioned that it, it's finishing the book, but part of it was you didn't know what you, how to do it. You hadn't written a book before, so you didn't know the process, but you still went for it anyway. So in times of uncertainty for you, when you don't know the answer, when you don't know kind of how to get from X, Y to Z, how do you move forward? Well, I mean, a, a lot of that is keep creating sort of content, keep creating uh, and pushing things and putting it out there. And you'll, you'll find the answers within it. Um, you know, I think for me, I had to, I had to realize that um, I could tell you, you know, I could write a book about it, how to go to a game and get the crowd excited. I could tell you that. But I can't tell you how to write a book, right? I, I could now in the sense of the steps. Yeah. So I had to be kind of, you know, one of the most overword used words, vulnerable about my own experience doing it. Yeah. And just to say to myself, you're not the expert, but you are the expert because you have in the sense of the vision of what you want. Mm-hmm. So let's get everyone to buy into it. And the more people would buy into it, the more certainty I would get. And so yeah. I really put myself out there. I, I have, I think there's about 40 different sort of short vignettes, anecdotes, quotes, stories in the book from different people, which also the minute you ask someone to be part of it, Dude, you're raising your commitment level too, right? Now I have to finish it. Yeah. 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 Hey, I told so-and-so and and they've put a quote in here and they've given me some feedback. Like, what are you doing? Are you just going to be the guy who talks about this his whole life? No. Growing up, your mother was a huge influence in in what you do now. What were some of the lessons that she taught you? and, And when you think back to those, what were the first memories that come to mind? Well, yeah, my mom and I were, I was a mama's boy for sure. <laughs> uh, and we came home from school one day. My sister she sat my sister and I down and she told us she, you know, we thought we were getting a puppy, but she told us she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. I was 14. It wasn't like the awareness level that we have now. And, uh, you know, she fought it hard. She beat round one. And then unfortunately she, she didn't, you know, she passed away two years later. But her message like was so powerful because it was about connecting. It was about heart and it was all love. She was a nurse. And she just was like, she's just an open heart, which meant we had an open house, which meant we had our neighborhood. We knew everyone. And that's why she inspired me to kind of be me and just go for it. And she said to me when I didn't make the high school basketball team, words that have, you know, I've lived by, maybe there's other ways you can contribute to the team. We don't always have to be the one on the court or the field or the ice with the jersey, but there's other ways we can contribute. And looking back to 27 years later, I'm proud that, you know, my mom inspired me to contribute to a few. <laughs> what a lovely story. Thank you for sharing that. You're proud of your athletic failures because on your videos, I've seen all of them. <laughs> no, one, no one is more proud of their athletic failures than you. I've never thought of it that way. I need to, <laughs> to tweet that. I'm very proud to not have made and make a list of all the teams I didn't make. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet if you look at a lot of the endurance athletes that you've interviewed over your career too, that they were probably just okay athletes at something and maybe they didn't make their basketball team, but they became great, right? You're right. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how those life changes. Earlier, you mentioned the importance of believing, the belief muscle and visualizing. You mentioned as well that you visualize being at, a, at an event. So for you, how often are you using visualization and what other mental health tricks do you have? Do you use aspects of meditation as well? 
Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> the belief muscle came when, you know, at the lowest time ever, probably. I was living in LA. I just moved from Canada. I had a solid media career and I wanted more. And I just had to realize I didn't want to be the guy on that plane leaving going, you know, I'm out, you know, and it wasn't because I felt I had more talent or I felt I had more to offer, but I felt like I knew I couldn't give up on myself. And so I started to work on my belief muscle, um, which was, you know, it had various levels of what I did. And then in terms of the meditation, I've actually started to I just going to sound crazy, but maybe not. But I ask for a private dressing room. And when I perform at events all over the place, sometimes you get one. Sometimes you're in a room with a bunch of mascots that are sweating and you're like, oh my God. And sometimes it's I a closet. It? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a literally, dude, I, I should have done more in the book on the crazy locker rooms I've shared. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've, in the last few years, I've started to really, really force myself to take five slow minutes before I go out. And I'm going to go fire up 18,000 people, yeah. right? So if I don't have the energy, well, how are they going to give it back to me? Yep. Right? And whenever I've been rushed, I've got a young guy that helps me a lot when I'm in Vegas named Zach. And he's always like, stop trying to like perfect it before, like keeping in touch with people and, and doing this and uh, making sure everyone else is looked after. He's like, look after you. And he would always challenge me. He's like, get off your phone, put it on airplane mode. And get in the zone, you know, because, you, you know, as an entertainer, you're always trying to please. And when I've done that, you can tell the difference in, in, in what you give, right? Now, I've got so many questions about all your different events. But before I get to that, one last question on the year, because it's definitely been a difficult year, especially for someone who makes a career out of going to events. I'm curious for you personally, what has been the biggest lesson you have learned over the last 12 months? Say yes. Tell me a little more. I'm or will you tell that's me it, more? That's it. <laughs> will you tell that's me it, more? That's all I got. And then your answer is yes, right? <laughs> well, you know, when it first happened, I, I went for a walk around the block and it was pouring rain. And I jokingly said, okay, my pity parade's over. It lasted 24 hours. We got we to gotta make something happen. And I started to just make crazy videos and I'd post them. And um, my partner would be like, my friends are worried about you. What are you doing back in, you know, we had this garage that we made into a sort of office. She's like, what are you doing back there? And I was saying yes to myself and just putting it out there. Maybe stuff I'd always wanted to do, but I was nervous to do. Like, I'm talking over the top 60-second crazy videos of me losing my mind. And if you didn't know me or any context, you'd be, you'd be like, maybe you'd call more than one person to say, is he yeah. okay? But I started getting opportunities. And then I started just saying yes, like, um, hey, my dad's a nurse or doctor in Cardiff, Wales, where I've performed. Can you make him a video and cheer him up? Yes. Can you uh, do this for my, yes. Can you, and I had one moment that sort of encap like magnified it or I, I encapsulated it perfectly. A guy in Italy, <laughs> Milan, Italy, messaged me a beautiful note through Twitter and said, hey, I met you at the US Open where I, I used to perform years ago. I followed you. I'm alone in my room. I'm bored. I'm lonely. Can you say hi? <laughs> and what would you do? Yeah. What would you do? I'm asking you, like, what would you do? I'd say yes, and I'd, I'd tell, them, tell them hi. Right? Yeah. Most people, if you probably asked me March 8th before this all went crazy, would probably not have the time or the mental or the, the your mind wouldn't be open to that. Right. Yeah. He, I, I ended up doing it. We have a Skype on a Saturday afternoon. 
for like it's supposed to be half an hour. I said, hey, you know, I've got half an hour to say hi. And he's literally in Milan, Italy, and I'm in mm-hmm. Venice Beach, California. My partner's like, what? Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have this moment. He says, you know, he's thank you so much. We we ended up talking for over an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes. He's having some wine. I'm having some tea. He's telling me his life story. I'm giving him dating advice. Like it's just it was it was awesome. Really nice guy, very thoughtful. And then a couple of months later, he, you know, he we're still talking here and there, just checking up. I was I'd send him a note, say, How are you doing? And then in the weirdest sort of full circle magic of life. I'm on an Instagram live. I'm doing a book giveaway. And I'm like, is there someone in your life you want to give a book to? I was asking the audience that, that, that you think should get a cheer. And I had been telling different stories. And this friend of mine who I met in Minnesota, who had reached out to me out of the blue too, he had just lost his brother and wanted to talk to someone. And I said, sure. So we met for lunch one day. And he goes, I want to send Anyone like that, like my friend in Milan, a book from me because you did that for me. I'm going to like get a little emotional. And so we sent a book to this guy's dad in Italy because his dad was lonely. And then there's a picture of his dad on a balcony in Milan, Italy, smiling, holding my book. Mm. Like that's everything to me, right? Yeah. That's cheering is contagious right there. Yeah. And that's the power of the yes, you know? Ah, that's remarkable. What a story. Rapid fire time. I've been excited for this. this yeah. All right. I'm nervous. Should I stretch? Uh, you're always ready. I know you're always ready and you're spontaneous. <laughs> so I don't want to give you anything. In- <laughs> First of all, your favorite song to perform to? Money, Money, Billy Idol. The stadium that gave you the most goosebumps? U.S. Open, Arthur Ashe, New York City. What an experience that was, especially getting to dance with Djokovic. Aside from dancing with Djokovic, celebrity interaction that you cherish the most? Roger Federer his charity event in Seattle. We surprised him. He came backstage after we surprised him. I volunteered to be there. Didn't take an appearance fee. He looked me in the eye in in a way that I'll never forget the rest of my life. And I try to look everyone in the eye the same way. Absolute brilliant moment. Very cool. Total first class gentleman. Crowd that you influenced the most, the one that energy wasn't much and all of a sudden you got on there and it just flipped the switch. Well, at a big scale, I'd say Singapore rugby, uh, 25, 30,000 people. It's an eight-hour day, and they didn't see it coming. <laughs> they didn't see it coming. Big, then, Red, big Red was landing hot. <laughs> how about just loudest crowd where you just were like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm here. Uh, I mean, you know, off the top of my head, Madison Square Garden, I was at the Ooh. game that Jeremy Lin broke out and became. Ooh, wow. I was there, and I was performing. Location or event that is a top of your wish list? Oh, uh, Cape Town, South Africa, uh, for, uh, you know, with the, with the whole, the view and something beautiful in South Africa and then go and do something powerful for kids. City that you enjoyed most just as a tourist while you were there? Uh, Belfast. Best arena food is? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't eat that sh- stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to perform. True. Uh, uh, yeah, so there you go. You talked earlier about the small locker rooms. How about best? What was the most luxurious locker room? You're like, this is, I can get used to this. Well, I would, this is going to curveball. Las Vegas, the Orleans Arena, uh, Orleans Casino, somehow had like the craziest setup because, I mean, big name performers were playing there before. This is 2008. It was off the charts. And they wow. fully catered my meal and water and drinks and tea and chocolates and 
it was insane. And I'm like, I don't think we had phones that could film back then, right? But I would have filmed it and said, hey, to every team, hey, hey, come on, do this. <laughs> most amount of t-shirts you've worn at one time? The most amount of t-shirts is 26, I believe. <laughs> uh, I didn't see that um, one. I only saw that. I saw that there was about maybe eight, eight or nine is the one I saw. Yeah, I mean, someone once said to me, like a broadcaster said, they were more impressed that I could get to the next t-shirt as fast as I could. I was very impressed with that. And I was like, I've never thought of that because it's not something I practice, but I just have a rhythm when I'm like taking them off fast. <laughs> you do. If you had it down to a science, it was, it was really, I was impressed too. <laughs> it's, it's funny when I, I, I did an interview once and, and uh, I said, oh yeah, my guy, high school guidance counselor must be proud of me, right? <laughs> but actually he is. So <laughs> he, <laughs> that's the best part. Now, you're, you're standing in front of this an immaculate jersey collection. I want to focus first on hockey. Probably your first love. Favorite hockey sweater? It could be a specific one. It could be like the, the Maple Leafs home. Oh, he's got it right in his hand. There it is. Senators. Okay. This was the jersey they paid me the first time I got up in Ottawa. And I have not framed it because I love holding it and having it. I love uh, that. And being, That's, I love and, it. And, and I could frame it and then what? Just look at it. Yeah, this, this means more to me than any jersey in my life. They didn't pay me, but they gave me this jersey. How about outside of Ottawa? I mean, I think old school would be, for me, it would be uh, Montreal Canadiens. Belfast Giants up there. I don't know if you can see it, but that's like a really wacky and weird, and they have sponsors on it. Team Canada has got a cool jersey. There's, I've got some like original sort of retro jerseys. But, you know, I, just on that note, when I was holding up my Sens jersey, I look around my own room and I think of, oh, I see like – Lake Charles, uh, I don't know, Ice Pirates or Cavs or Moose or Wild. And it brings me back to being in that stadium. And it brings me back to being so grateful for every opportunity. I, ha I haven't performed live in almost a year. But I remember leaving that Las Vegas arena, 18,000 fans, a big win, get a couple fist bumps from some of the players. Just going, how lucky was I to, to be part, a little part, a little part, a little spark, a little extra fun in those people's lives. You know, this has been so much fun, man. All morning I was looking at videos and watching you, and I just smiled the whole day. I think I've smiled the entire day just thinking of you. How can oh, people? You. How can people get the book? How can they stay up to date? How can they just follow more of your amazing <laughs> energy? Well, let's let's bring them to Cameron Cheers is my Twitter, Instagram. Um, my book is CameronHughes.tv. I can personalize it. I can sign one. Um, always prefer people buying direct, obviously, but uh, it's also available on ebook and on Amazon and some of the big retailers. And, you know, my dream, man, is to, is to get in a big Winnebago and just print however many books that can fit in the Winnebago and, 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 you know, and t-shirts and just go, you know, go. and have some ideas, but just go kind of like my career. Know what, you know, know the goal, but not sure how I'm going to do it. You know, that sounds incredible. <laughs> That's how <laughs> and, bring, and bring the cheer. It's Sign the cheer me up. Program, I will, I will right? tag along on that for sure. All right, man. Thanks, Have man. a beautiful day. Big cheer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Cameron. For more information, check out his website, CameronHughes.tv, where there's a link to pick up his book, King of Cheer. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.